Good evening, and welcome to Direct Impact Broadcasting, the station of growth and transformation. Affiliate of Creative Broadcasting presents Leadership Tidbits with Coach T. Wilson, with your host, Taiwana Wilson, as she welcomes her guest to the studio. Welcome to Leadership Tidbits with Coach T. Wilson. I am your host, Taiwana Wilson. A little bit about myself. I am your award-winning leadership maven, medical laboratory scientist by background, best-selling author, owner and chief leadership coach at Trendy Elite Coaching and Consulting Services, executive director with the John Maxwell team, Maxwell Disc Certified Consultant, Send Out Cars Referral Partner, and co-owner of Direct Impact Broadcasting Radio Station. Before we bring on my special guest, I am excited to announce Direct Impact Broadcasting's new radio station affiliate, Envision Broadcasting, and Empower Hour with Jerisha Radio Show that will be launching May 1st. Stay tuned for more details on this radio station and the first show airing live on that station. Also, thank you to my media mentors, Ms. Ashley Little and Ms. Kimberly McLemore of Talk Radio TV Network, LLP. Today's special guest and fellow executive director with the John Maxwell team, Mr. Cedric LaFleur. Cedric LaFleur is a motivational and empowering senior executive with more than 30 years of success across the healthcare sales, leadership, and sports industries. Cedric has been married to Tammy for 32 years. They have two children, TK and Patrick. Cedric is the founder and chief executive at LaFleur Leadership Institute, where he has created a successful company which delivers workshops, seminars, keynote speeches, and coaching for organizations focused on leadership development. Cedric is the executive director with John Maxwell team. His responsibilities include executive leadership training, coaching, and keynote speaking internationally. Recently, he was in Costa Rica helping lead a government leadership transformation for the Costa Rican government. In addition, Cedric is a Dave Ramsey Certified Master Financial Coach, where he provides financial literacy training to individuals and organizations across the United States. Cedric is the chairman of the Executive Leadership Circle, which is a private organization where thought leaders discuss and address global topics. Finally, he serves as founding partner and president of Lake Charles Education Collaboration Incorporated, a 501c3 education-based think tank. Their focus is to help low-performing and failing schools improve academic outcomes. Cedric recently retired as regional sales manager from Abbott Laboratories after serving for 22 years. Good evening, Cedric. How are you? I am always doing great, Juana, and good evening to you. Thank you uh, for having me on. I am so happy to, to have you here, especially right before Laboratory, Medical Laboratory Sciences Week. Since you are a fellow scientist, it's nice to kickstart uh, that week with a fellow scientist. Had to throw that in. Well, thank you. Yeah. So please tell the listeners about your path to leadership and how did you get to where you are today? 
Well, you know, um, my path to leadership um, has taken a lot of twists and turns, and it really started when I was a little kid playing in the playgrounds of Lake Charles, Louisiana, and um, I would always say to my friends, one day we're going to be rich and we're going to be business people and we're going to move away from here. I didn't know what that meant. I just knew that that's what um, I wanted. Um, and, I mean, really, I, I had no idea what that really meant. Um, but that led me um, to the, Air, the United States Air Force um, after college, and I served there, and eventually that led me to Abbott Laboratories, and that's really where uh, the bulk of my leadership um, started, that, that journey uh, to becoming um, an effective leader. Abbott Laboratories is one of the top ten largest pharmaceutical companies in the world, and um, I had the pleasure of um, being asked to lead a sales unit for uh, for Abbott. And I will tell you what, I learned a lot doing that process, and we'll probably talk about that, but I learned a lot doing that process. And um, one of the things that uh, stood out to me during my journey was in order to be an effective leader, I had to value people. And um, that eventually led me to LaFleur Leadership Institute and the John Maxwell team, um, where we do that. We build leaders and we add value to people. Um, now, as a part of my uh, journey, um, I went through a few twists and turns, and those twists and turns really kind of define who I am today, I, I believe. And one of the things that um, we decided when I was 35 years old, that I wanted to retire at the age of 50. So then we put together this plan to help make sure I could do that. Now, when we put that, that plan out there, I didn't know what that meant. But all I knew was I wanted to be able to retire at the age of 50 so that I can go out and do the things I want to do. Um, so that's really m my journey and my path and, and uh, what, what got me here today. And um, obviously I can't go deeper into that, uh, but I want to uh, uh, respect the questions that you want to ask me or, or what information you want me to share with, with the audience. Awesome. Well, that's awesome that you were uh, able to put your plan and retire uh, at 50, especially when people are, are having to work longer, longer now. And I know I have the staff members that are 70, 72 that are, that are still working. So that's a blessing all within itself. Yeah, well, you know, uh, Tawana, there's two things in life that people control. Um, and no one else can control it for you, and that's time and money. If you control your time, then you will uh, control 50% of what happens to you, and let me walk you through that. You see, there's only 24 hours in a day. You can't buy more time than I have, and I can't buy more time than you have. But if you're more effective in the use of your 24 hours, you're going to be more successful than I am. And that's 50% of uh, – that, that, that attributes to 50% of what happens to you uh, in life. The second one is 
finances. See, the person that controls their finances the best is the winner. And if you do that, then you control the other 50% of what happens to you in life. See, I, I had to learn that lesson the hard way, though. Mm-hmm. When we were 29, when I was 29, um, we were living the American dream. Now, the American dream, think about when you hear the American dream. It's normally you have a nice new house, and we had that. You have a husband and a wife, and you have two kids, and we had that. Two new cars in the driveway. But you know what that meant? That meant that we were broke. Right. (laughs) You know, 70, the the, the, the stat says 70% of Americans live paycheck to paycheck, right? And Mm -hmm. one day um, I woke up and realized we had expenses that were high and income that was lower than our expenses. So we were bankrupt. And I knew that we knew that there was a better way, but we didn't know how to get to that better way. So there was a guy, we were living in Florida at the time, there was this guy named Charles J. Gibbons that would, uh, was doing financial literacy training in Orlando, and I would drive two hours every Saturday for two months to hear him speak about, uh, on financial literacy. He had a program that cost $200, and this was in the um, 94, um, I'm sorry, early 90s, 91, 92 time frame. And it was $200. Well, I didn't have $200. I had a big house. I had a, two new cars, but I couldn't find $200 to pay for this program. Well, we figured it out, and we got the $200 and made that sacrifice. And he said this to me. He said, Cedric, if you do the things I'm telling you to do in this program, you will control the rest of your life. So we went, we went through that program, and at age 35, we came out of that situation. And that's when we set that goal, because then we started goal setting. Then we set that goal, but the, here's the thing. In order to retire 50, we had two criteria. One, we had to have $1 million saved and $2 million net worth. Now, we didn't know what that meant because at the time we had zero dollars in the Mm -hmm. bank. But we followed that plan and being very intentional, not going on vacation sometimes, not buying new cars all the time, not doing all of those things. At 48, we hit those numbers. Wow. And then at 50, I was able to retire. So now the stuff that I do, It's because I want to do it. So controlling my time and controlling my finances allowed me now to do the things I want to do. And I I love a quote that Dave Ramsey always says is, if you do the things today that no one else will do, you can do the things tomorrow that no one else can do. And I'm in that can-do area right now, but it took those learning experiences early on to help make me change and be intentional. I love it. I love it. That's awesome. I'm so happy you uh, talked about your journey. You talked about uh, controlling your time and and your finances. You're right. Those go uh, hand in hand. And so often people are are trying to trade uh, 
time for money because they don't make enough on their primary job and now they work in a second job and a third job uh, for whatever reasons, for whatever choices uh, they right. got them to that point. So that's that's good. I like that. Leaders have all different backgrounds and strengths. What strengths do you have that have been important on your leadership journey? Well, that's a really good question. And, you know, I, I, I don't consider myself to have a lot of strengths. But if I, if I had to list out uh, some strengths that I do have, it would be focus, laser focus. You know, um, Napoleon Hill says in a book, Think and Grow Rich, which is my favorite book, by the way, but um, we're not going to go on that one. But um, <laughs> it's, a, it's, an, it's an awesome book. But he says under the chapter in, uh, in Desire, he says, any person that wins an undertaking must be willing to burn his ships and cut all sources of retreat. Only by doing so can that person maintain a mindset known as a burning desire to win. And that means you got to, when you have that burning desire, that pulsating desire, that means that you got to have laser focus on what it is you want to do. And so th- that's my first one. My second one is my ability to see the big picture vision. I, I mean, it, it says it even in, in the Bible, where there's no vision, a people will perish. Right. Um, a lot of times you hear the phrase, well, you can't see the forest for the trees. Well, when you can't see the forest for the trees, it's because you're looking at too much of the, the detail instead of, visualizing the future state, not the current state. There are going to be things mm-hmm. that you're going to have to do, but you have to visualize it in your mind. You have to go to a place in the future right now so you can see it. Napoleon says in, in, in Thinking Grow Rich, if you never visualize a million dollars in your bank account, then you will never see it in reality. And that's for that doesn't have to just be for for money. That could be for any goal that you want to achieve. You have to go to a place in the future. So laser focus is my second one. The, the third one is listening, and then the fourth one is that probably should have been first one, but it's adding value to other people. I love the look on someone else's face when I can help them achieve something. It's um, exciting, it's thrilling, um, it's fulfilling when I can see someone else reach their goals. So trying to help someone else, trying to add value to them, pouring into other people, uh, I absolutely love that. So those are my, my four um, strengths if I had to, to list them out. Those are excellent. Those are all very good. It, it's funny that you say focus and listening and I uh, was just talking to a group of high school students and, you know, and I asked them, and I know you're in the schools all the time, but I asked them what kind of topics would they be interested in hearing more about? And the first thing they said is focus. I need to, I need to focus. I need to be able to focus. There's a lot of distractions and I need better time management. And we talked about the ability uh, to listen. I said, if you listen, people will tell you what you need to know. But you got to listen, but uh, focus is, it, that always comes up. I can't focus because there's so many distractions. 
there's so right. much going on. Uh, so that that's excellent, excellent yeah. advice. Well, you know? thank you. Well, you know, I, I think that it, um, people don't have focus because we're trying to do too many things. Mm-hmm. And we think we can multitask, and in reality, we really can't, because when you when you're multitasking, you're only giving partial effort to one of those things at a time. Sure, um, you're, you're never giving a hundred percent to anything. So, how are you going to be effective? How are you going to um, succeed and exceed expectations, not just meet expectations, exceed expectations if you don't have that laser focus. I'll tell you, I'll give you an example. In uh, pharmaceutical sales or diagnostic sales, it's highly competitive. And I would have people come to me all the time saying, I want to, this, this is the area that I want to get into. Um, so then I would talk about, because they see the money part of it, um, and yes, we're going to compensate you highly, but we also have some extremely high goals and expectations. And it's either you, you hit the number or you don't. I mean, the numbers will, will tell you. you you're either 100% or you're 0%. There's no in-between. Mm-hmm. And that's going to require laser focus, determination, the ability to think outside of the box, and the ability to go above and beyond. And um, a lot of times people lose that because they're trying to do too many things. Right. That's that's one of those hot words. I can multitask. Really, you're pausing. You're pausing from one task, moving to the other. Uh, it sounds good, but you're right in theory. Uh, you, it, it's very difficult to try to focus on uh, doing too many things at one time. Right. Absolutely. Cedric, good leaders ask great questions. What has been some of the best questions that you have asked that made a, a difference on your journey or on your path? Yeah, you know, um, I, I agree with that concept that good leaders ask great questions and um, I don't know if I ask great questions or not, but I do know that um, I ask some questions, and I'll give you some that, that I ask. Um, but more, more, even before the question, I'm looking forward to their answer. I really like to hear other people's story. I like to see uh, – one of the questions I normally will ask is, where do you see yourself in five years? Mm-hmm. See, I can tell if a person is goal-oriented, um, or, and I can see if the person is growth-oriented because they're going to tell me w- where they see themselves. Um, I can also uh, – I also like to ask, you know, what do you want to do next? That shows me or tells me if a person is thinking about their next step or not. If they're visionary, are they stuck just – they're happy right where they are, um, and it makes a difference from a leadership perspective on who's going to get that next promotion. If I see someone that is thinking about the future and they're planning and they're getting ready, they're growth-oriented, mm-hmm. that's going to be the person I'm going to be looking to promote. If they can't see the future, 
I don't know that I see a future with them in the organization um, because they're so stuck in the right now. I don't want a person, no organization wants a person that in 2019 they think the way they thought in 1985. Sure right? don't. Sure don't. Right. <laughs> doesn't, doesn't help the organization. But some other good questions that, that I, um, in fact, I, I, I gave these questions to my son to ask, uh, he was going to this meeting, and he was going to be there with some of his senior leaders. And I said, here's some questions you should ask. Ask them, what are they learning right now that you should know? What are they reading right now that you should be reading? Who do they know that you should know? Mm. So, see, those questions are not yes or no those are open-ended questions. Those are questions that's going to cause a conversation to happen. And when you cause a senior leader to think, they're going to be thinking about you later because they know that you asked something that was a good question that challenged them to think. And then they're going to say, well, hey, did you ever read that book that, I, that we talked about? See how that works? They're, right. they're going to tell you something, but they're going to come back and see if you did anything with it or you just wasted their time. Right. So when we get into the room with those influential players, we need to make the best use of our time. Absolutely. And if you just remember three words, what, why, and how, um, and, or you can say what, how, and who. Um, if you remember that, th those are the words you should use at the start of your sentence, at the start of your question. It's, there's, they're never going to be yes or no. They're always going to be open-ended. They're always going to cause some dialogue to take place. That's great. Great information. Because mm -hmm. we have a lot of... Uh, emerging leaders that are always looking for what should I be doing? What should I be asking? What should I be saying? So that's great advice uh, that you are, are saying, especially when they get uh, in the room uh, with people that they uh, admire or people that feel they feel have uh, wisdom that they can learn from. Uh, so that's great information. Yeah. You know, sometimes people get into the um, – realm of asking sports questions. Those are easy. Everybody, you know, everybody, you know, will, will ask those questions and, and, you know, maybe that person may know, uh, or like they'll talk about the Masters from this weekend with Tiger Woods winning, right? Um, th that's the easy, that's the layup. Um, mm -hmm. But hmm, how is that going to impact that leader's opinion of you? Yeah, you're going to have some dialogue. But ask him something, him or her, something that's going to cause him to pause and think a little bit and remember that you asked them a deep question. And, that's good. You know, um, if you want to give your audience some questions that they can write down and take, one of them is, what's the greatest thing you've ever learned in life? Um, we talked about what are you learning now, what are you, what are you reading now, right? But the other mm -hmm. one is, how can I add value to you? 
wow, think about going up to your CEO and asking that, your CEO that question. He's not going to just. He's not just going to roll off. Oh yeah, well Tiger, it was a good play. It was a good uh, win for him. He's going to have to think about that. Right. That's what senior level executives like when people give them thought provoking questions or have a um, thought provoking conversation, and they're going to remember you. That's that's good. That's real good advice. It's important for our next generation to not only hear our successes, but hear about some of our mistakes. Can you share with the listeners some of your biggest mistakes and the learning lessons that you gained from them? Yeah, so, you know, um, mistakes are one of those things that uh, we all make and uh, they're supposed to be learning lessons from them and uh, they're supposed to be things that help us uh, get better uh, in the future. And I've definitely uh, had my fair share of mistakes. Um, One of those, we talked about it earlier, but that's living within your means. I didn't early on when I was in my 20s. Um, Definitely learned a lot from that lesson uh, and hope to never go back to that, that, that again. Um, the next one is connecting with your team. See, when I was a young leader, so um, think about this. I, I came from the military environment where it's you do as I say and you know, it doesn't really matter what you think, just do it, mm-hmm. okay, um, to the civilian world. Well, that doesn't work so well in the civilian world. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, you have to inspire and motivate people. So when I was a young leader, I learned the hard way that I had to change my approach. It wasn't my team. It really was me. So I had to change my approach. And I didn't understand that really until one day my um, uh, director uh, sat down and, and, and talked to me about this and said, look, your team, they will do anything for you but they just need to know that you care for them first, oh. right? And they need to understand that you will do what you can do for them first as well and not just about the number. I remember, right. Twana, that I had on our sales calls, and the the sales is about the number. And mm-hmm. I was just taking that really literal, and I had a rep that was, um, she would get on and on our updates and, and talk about what they did over the weekend and what they did here, her family, this, and all of this type of stuff. And I would go, okay, that's good. What about your number? What are you going to do? And <laughs> I will tell you that we never connected because of that approach. And um, I had a life-defining moment that changed my thought process, my thinking forever. And when I say forever, I mean forever. Um, my daughter's played college basketball. She played pro basketball. She was awesome. Uh, but one day, she was coaching in college, and one day I got a phone call, and it said, uh, Mr. Flores, won't you know that TK is in the hospital. She tried to commit suicide. Wow. And let me tell you what. No matter where you are in life, no matter what you're doing, 
that changes your world. And I just believe, because I'm a believer, that God was working in me uh, in that moment because he flashed stuff about her life to me, but more bigger, he flashed how how, how I treated my employees. Mm. So I was getting ready to have a call with my team, and I still had that call. But here's what happened. When they got on the line, the first thing words out of my mouth was, I apologize to you. I apologize for the way I've talked to you. I've apologized for the way I've treated you. And I will never, ever treat another human being like that. That's exactly what I told them. It was a transform, transformational moment for me, not for them, to understand that people matter first, right. not results. And it changed me. It changed the dynamic of our relationship with my team. It changed the performance. It changed all kind of stuff. And here's how I know that transformation happened. Anytime we were in a group setting or whatever, we had to take a group picture. They would take the picture if I was there or not. It didn't really matter. Right. After this, we were at our national sales meeting. We're at a dinner table. They brought food over for us to, um, you know, for, for dinner. And they know that I don't eat meat that has gravy on it if I'm out and about somewhere. Because my mm-hmm. grandmother told, always used to tell me that if they're putting gravy on their meat, that means they're hiding something. So <laughs> uh, I, just, I just don't eat gravy on my meat when I'm out. Um, <laughs> And um, But the defining part of this was my rep asked the uh, waiter, she said, can you please go get him a plate with meat that does not have gravy on it? You see, before she would have never done that. But now because she sees, she knows that I care for her personally more than results, then she has my back now. See, that transformation was amazing uh, for me and for my team and for everything I do uh, going forward. So the mistake was, one, live within your means, which I didn't early on. Uh, Number two was connect with your team. And number three is understand that people matter first. Yes, absolutely. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Absolutely. It's absolutely true. Those are are great words of wisdom. And you're right. I mean, when you are in organizations and it's all about the number, all about the number, you're asking people to do more with less. Uh, All of that at the end of the day. If if your team don't know how much you care about them or connecting with them, uh, the numbers for them doesn't even matter. <clears throat> You're absolutely right about that. Um, well, and, you know, that um, reminds me of this story. 
Um, I, I don't know. Do, do you know who Rich DeVos is? No. So Rich DeVos um, is the founder of Amway. You've heard of Amway, right? Yes. Okay. So uh, now he's deceased now, but he was the founder of Amway, and he's also the owner of the Orlando Magic. Well, you know, Rich um, uh, needed a heart transplant. And then he got on the list, and after some time passed, he got a heart transplant. Um, after he recovered, he had dinner with the lady that gave him her heart. So you say, well, wait a minute. How did that happen? Um, well, she needed a lung transplant. And a lot of times in a lung, with lung transplantation, it's better if the lung and the heart come from the same donor. So she got a lung and a heart from someone else. So now that made her heart become available. So then her heart went to Rich. Huh. And you see, if you think it's impossible, it isn't. If you think you know everything, you don't. If you think you are alone, you're not. You're not. And when you're a leader, sometimes you feel alone or isolated. It's because you're not connecting with your people. It's because you don't see them as first. You see, and when you learn to connect with your people, you'll realize that they are more important than all of that other stuff. And you'll find that it's not impossible. You'll find that you don't know everything. And you'll find that you're not alone. And your life will change. Your team's performance will change. It's transformational. It's just an awesome feeling. Absolutely. I know that you've worked with various types of companies and organizations in the profit and not-for-profit sectors and education. What type of leadership development do you find that organizations most commonly need? And what kinds of training do you suggest uh, are most important to meet the needs of the issues that they're dealing with? And it seems well, like know, a lot of times communication and, you know, some of those same things resonate in, you know, a lot of the organizations. And what are you finding? Well, the two uh, most common things are uh, communication and growth mindset um, uh, training is, uh, is what's needed. And you know, Ralph Nichols says that the number one criteria for advancement and promotion in the workplace is effective communication. But most organizations don't focus on it. Um, and therein lies um, uh, the challenge. Everybody agrees that they don't have effective communication as a team. They don't collaborate as good as they should, but yet leaders still ignore it. Um, the other thing is um, growth mindset uh, training. The, the law of intentionality says growth doesn't just happen. We mm -hmm. must be intentional, right, in order for that growth to happen. So um, um, when I go into organizations and, and I ask the question, 
So what's your growth plan? What is your plan to improve? Most people can't answer the question. Because, and when they come up with an answer, it's normally activity-based. I'm going to do this project. I'm going to um, uh, take on this more responsibility. That's all activity-based. That's not on improving. You see, when we ask that question, uh, we're talking about personal growth. We're talking about things that impact the way you think, the way your thought process is, how you change the way you respond, how you improve communication. You see, when you focus on that growth part, your total interaction with a person is going to be different. It's going to change. It's going to be noticeable. You're going to walk differently. You're going to talk differently. Your performance is going to change. Your bank account will probably change. Uh, so, we definitely want our bank accounts to, to change and improve and all of that so that we can retire at 50. <laughs> yeah, well, you're absolutely right. Well, and here's the, here's the other thing. Um, uh, and Gallup has done a great job of uh, collecting data on this. So, you know, you have the traditional generation, traditionalist, you have the baby boomer generation, you have Generation X, which I'm in, you have millennials, and now you have the iGen. And there's mm-hmm. a, 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 a transformation that needs to happen. And I know a lot of people say, oh, millennials are lazy, millennials don't want to do this. But you know what? Millennials, in my opinion, have it right. Traditionalists and baby boomers need to come forward. So in the past, and, and this, is, this is all getting to communication, uh, it's getting to growth mindset, and it gets to connection with people. See, in, in the past, we, traditionalists, baby boomers, my generation, Gen, Gen Xers, we would get a job for a paycheck. Mm-hmm. Millennials and iGens want a job that's going to match their purpose. You see, w- traditionalists would get a job for job satisfaction. Millennials want a job that matches, uh, they want it for personal development and growth. Mm-hmm. Traditionalists and baby boomers got a job and they knew that they had a boss. Millennials don't want that. They want a coach. They want someone that's going to walk alongside them to help them grow, understand uh, um, how to make good decisions. But we don't want to let them make decisions. We want to hold on to the power. You know, John Maxwell says all the time, great leaders give power away. They don't hold on to it. Mm-hmm. The other thing is, you know, in, in the past, we, we, we would have these annual reviews. We know that, boom, every January, February, March, or whatever that is, we're going to have an annual review. Millennials and iGen are saying, no, 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 no. I want ongoing communication. I don't want you to tell me next March what <laughs> I didn't do this March, right? It, it doesn't make sense. They don't, they, in the past, people would focus on your weaknesses, Millennials want you to focus on their strengths. In the past, jobs, you had a job, it was my job. No, millennials said, no, it's about my life. I want something that's going to match my life, my purpose, my mission. I can add value to people. You see, they will, and the data bears it out, they will take a, a, a different job that's less paying if, it matches their purpose versus the higher-paying job that's just pushing a button 
that has right. no value to them, right? So mm-hmm. the reason why I say that they have it right, because when you think about it, don't you want a, a leader that values you, that respects your opinion, that says, you know what, your idea is a good idea. It can go forward. Even if you're on day one of the job and the leader is on day, you know, um, 15 years in, it, it's not about the boss's idea goes forward because he's the boss. It's about the best idea goes forward. And if the best idea comes from a new person, then let that idea go forward. That's why I say they have it right. Mm-hmm. And um, so. Yeah, that's absolutely accurate. Yeah. Um, uh, they want that. They want to be more engaged in job. They want to come in on day one and be able to sit around the table and throw out some ideas. And we shouldn't be afraid of that. We should say, that's a good, that's going to help our organization grow. That's going to help us get better. We shouldn't be afraid of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that is absolutely it. And organizations, especially if they have a, a mindset or struggling with recruiting and retaining uh, the top rising stars within their organization if it does not align with their purpose. I mean, we we see it all the time, uh, and that's why you get where, uh, you know, some of the rising stars just don't stay uh, with organizations long because of that uh, old school mindset. Absolutely. Um, you know, there was a a group of tourists that were um in this village and and they um they really enjoyed the village they really liked it they they were um really nostalgic about everything that they were seeing um they were walking around this village and they saw this old man sitting down on the on the sidewalk and they said hey we have some questions for you and they said first of all we love this place and they said do you live here and he says oh yeah i've lived here all my life. So then they got excited and they were they were asking him questions. And one of the uh, people asked him said, "Hey, have any great babies been born here?" The old man just looked at him and shook his head and said, "No, only babies." See, today in this country, all over the world, only babies are born. Those babies are who are being born are. Mm-hmm. Um, in every room, uh, every business, every school, every place around the world. See, greatness comes from teaching, from grooming, from implanting values in those babies, and then living out those values. They are not born that way. We have to make them that way. Talent is a gift. Greatness is a choice. Leaders choose to help make their people great by giving them power to make decisions, by giving them power to be engaged, by giving them power and the okay to speak up. Mm-hmm. And know and leaders should know that when they do that, they create a legacy that is um, for um, ahead of everybody else in your organization because they're building their people up. They're building future leaders. 
And every leader should want to build future leaders, not suppress people. Absolutely. Absolutely. I know uh, last year you had the opportunity to do some leadership transformation over in Costa Rica with the Costa Rican government. I know that was a pretty cool experience. Uh, Can you tell the listening audience more about that uh, transformation and the impact that it had on the country? Yes. Oh, my God. This was such an awesome uh, trip, uh, Tawana. So this was a uh, a social transformation initiative uh, that the John Maxwell Organization um, uh, puts on, and and they were asked by the Costa Rican government to bring some uh, uh, coaches and, and leaders uh, from the U.S. Uh, there to help them with this transformation. And we really were uh, going there to um, interact with um, – seven different, six or seven different pillars um, within, uh, of influence in, in Costa Rica. Their government, education, media, business, arts, uh, faith, and, uh, and family. Um, and this was a train-to-trainer model. So we were there for a week. In a week, we trained 15,000 people, and they wow. were going to go within it. Yeah, I mean, we were busy now. <laughs> we weren't laying on the beach. <laughs> we were busy. <laughs> um, but we trained 15,000 people. They were going to go in turn and train 250,000 people. So, I mean, the impact was amazing. Um, and we, um, w- one night, I was with a church organization, uh, and, and we had the pastor and all their members, and we were going through this um, development or training process, if you will. It's more of a roundtable uh, mm-hmm. format and a gr- group discussion. And we had our core values, and then we talked about those core values and the impact. And, oh, my God, it was such an amazing experience. Uh, we've gone to uh, – we're getting ready to go back to Paraguay in May, but we've gone to Paraguay before, went to Guatemala, um, there was another place, but I, I don't remember what it is. But Costa Rica is, is the place that uh, that I went, and it was an amazing experience. That's awesome. Anytime you can go and impact a country like that, and then they're able to to take that training and go back and train other leaders. I mean, that's an amazing uh, opportunity and experience to be able to do that. I totally agree with you. Now we need the United States government to call us and let us do that transformation. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. It's funny how it's easier to help other people in other countries, but it's so difficult sometimes to to be able to provide some of that same training right here at home. <laughs> yes. Yes, you're absolutely right. Can you talk about some of the work that you're doing to help low-performing and failing schools improve academic outcomes through the Lake Charles Education Collaboration? Yeah, so this is the most exciting part of being retired because now I get to work with students, teachers, administrators, helping change mindsets, helping improve outcomes, letting people know there is a better way. Um, and um, I live in Houston, Texas, but I drive to Lake Charles, Louisiana every week 
um, to work there. In fact, I was there today meeting with the superintendent and um, another um, um, high-level um, administrator in, in a district. And um, we worked with those school districts um, to help, one, with, with uh, teachers, helping them understand that communication is important, helping them understand, uh, transform when they go from being a teacher to an assistant principal or to a principal. There's a difference in being an individual contributor versus being a leader of people. There's a mm-hmm. difference in the way you communicate, right? Uh, communicate with your peers versus how you communicate with students uh, versus how you communicate with parents. Um, Though we work with students, helping them understand, they see that I walk the same streets that they did. I walk the same halls that they did, that they do right now, Um, and I'm no different than they are. They can achieve this as well. That's that's the reason I I specifically do it in my school district, but we also do it here in in Houston as well with, uh, with other school districts. But it's about changing mindsets and Booker T. Washington said, there's no limitations to the mind except those we acknowledge. Both winning and losing is an offspring of thought. And that's really what we're trying to get them to understand. That is awesome. You are doing some awesome work in your uh, second phase of life being retired. So thank you, thank you, thank you for everything that you're doing what you did in the corporate world, and then what you are doing now by adding value to people. So, Cedric, how can our listeners stay connected with you and support you and your efforts as you continue to to add value uh, and uplift our communities? Well, um, I'm on Facebook at Cedric LaFleur, that's C-E-D-R-I-C-K, LaFleur, L-A-F-L-E-U-R, I'm on Facebook, I'm on LinkedIn, I'm on Twitter. Um, LaFleur Leaders is what you look for on Twitter. Um, but we also have on our website, LaFleurLeadershipInstitute.com. And, um, of course, people can call me directly as well um, uh, on my cell phone, which is 832 722 0522. Um, so I'm very active in social media and uh, what we do. We just are about to wrap up on this Saturday a big winning with money series that we've been doing. Um, we do a lot of uh, training sessions. Um, so uh, go to our website and you can see all of that type of stuff and um, look forward to hearing from you. Awesome. Awesome. Well, our time today is coming to a close. We could definitely go on and on and and talk for way longer than we have time. I felt like you gave so many nuggets that I should be uh, paying you for all of these tidbits that you have shared uh, with our listening audience. So thank you. Thank you, listeners. Uh, Please support Cedric and what he's doing. If you need uh, information in regards to finance, he does finance training, financial training, as well as leadership, coaching, development, speaker training. Uh, Cedric is doing it all, and here's a leader that's leading uh, with passion and, and really, truly committed to adding value to people. So thank you so much, Cedric, for your time, taking a t- time out of your busy retired schedule. It seems like retired people stay busier 
uh, <laughs> once they retire than when they were working. <laughs> you are right about that. I probably need to go back to corporate so I can get some rest. But thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to give me the opportunity to interview you tonight. It was definitely an honor to have you as a guest and many blessings and much success to you on your journey. Well, thank thank you very much for having me. Thank you. So thank you, listener audience, for tuning in to tonight's show with my special guest, Cedric LaFleur, where he shared tons of great tidbits. A few of those, uh, one book to add to your list, uh, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill, if you don't have that or have not read it. Uh, make sure you control your time and control your finances. You, If you control your time and finances, you really uh, can control your life. You have to be laser focused. Laser focus is very important. Have vision. Uh, and make sure you listen. Adding value to other people are very important. And remember, when you have the opportunity to ask people questions, especially those executive leaders, remember the what, why, how, who. Remember the, to ask those questions. What's the greatest thing you have learned in life? How can I add value to you? What are you learning right now? What are you reading right now? Who do you know that I need to know? And Cedric shared many other tidbits uh, of knowledge with us today. If you're interested in being a guest on this show, starting your own radio show, or low-cost advertising, highlighting your business or events, please email dibroadcasting at TrendyEliteLLC.com. Please tune in next week to hear from another amazing leader. Until then, friends, have a good evening. Thank you, friends, for tuning in to another episode of Leadership Tidbits with Coach T. Wilson, where Taiwana speaks with leaders who share nuggets of wisdom that you can use in your personal and professional life. Follow her on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Coach T. Wilson. Connect on LinkedIn or visit www.coachtwilson.com. And remember, in life, learn as much as you can, appreciate often, and lead fearlessly. 